This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Flagship Podcast. I'm Taylor Estes. Joined as always by my Horns 24-7 colleague, Chip Brown. We have a special treat for our listeners this week as we welcome in Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte, who will sit down with Chip for an exclusive interview as part of our Texas Tailgate series over at Horns 24-7. Del Conte has always been a man of the fan base since he was hired at Texas and is absolutely not one to back down from the hard-hitting questions, which will be thrown his way in this episode of the Flagship Podcast. Before we get to Del Conte, make sure you subscribe to the Horns 24-7 podcast channel on iTunes, and we'd love it if you could give us a five-star rating and review while you're there. Without further ado, let's bring in Chris Del Conte for our exclusive one-on-one chat with the Longhorns AD. The busiest man in Texas athletics joins us now for for a video chat here on Horns 24-7, the one and only Chris Del Conte, who I learned uh, was a high jumper at first Oregon State and then UC Santa Barbara. I mean, how did I not know that you were a Fosbury flopper extraordinaire? Well, let me let me do apologize to the nation. I do apologize for coming on late. I was just stacked up with meetings today. Actually, today is the uh, time we're supposed to be in Phoenix for AD meetings with our coaches, our TV partners. Uh, and so we had men's, women's basketball, football, TV partners all morning. And then I jumped on an OVG call with our new arena. So I just kind of got lost track of time. So I want to make sure and tell the nation I do apologize uh, for my tardiness. But we're here now and uh, let's rock and roll. That's right. And, uh, and away we go. I mean, it's been uh, an unbelievable uh, two years for, uh, for yourself on the job. And I mean, everything from revamping the the game day atmosphere at Texas football games with Bevo Boulevard, Longhorn City Limits, and and the in-game experience um, to all the facility construction that's going on, including a $200 million renovation of the south end of DKR, a new basketball arena that uh, you were just talking about. You were on a call uh, today. Um, And then, you know, the hiring of four new coaches. And let's start there, um, Chris, because – you, I think everyone who's got burnt orange sunglasses on watching this, uh, this interview is happy with the hires you've made. Mike White as the softball coach, Edric Florial, the track coach, Bruce Burke, uh, who helped lead Texas men's tennis to a national championship last spring, and most recently, Vic Schaefer, uh, the women's new women's basketball coach. What what are you looking for? Is there a top three things that you're looking for in a coach that tells you what, you know, they're going to be successful, especially at a place like Texas, which, man, you better be ready for the magnifying glass, right? 
Well, I, I, I think it, uh, um, in my opinion, what do you look for is someone that's actually built a program several times. I'm not really looking for a flash in the pan as a one-off. Uh, at the University of Texas, we know the gravity of this uh, of this institution. It is enormous, and you have so I, we when we sit down and look for coaches, uh, the first thing I'm gonna look at is their history of success. Uh, um, sometimes we get in, enamored with the the flavor of the month, but have they had built sustained success at programs? And we look at what Mike White did at uh, in softball for a moment at Oregon. We knew when I was in the Pac-10. Oregon was not a, a very productive softball program. It was everyone's, if you will, homecoming game in terms of softball. And the, in the nine years there, he went to Oklahoma City five times. He built the program from scratch. And what a phenomenal job he did there. You look at Coach Flo, not only what he did at Stanford, but then he went to Kentucky, a non-existent team in track and field, and built a tremendous power and, and, and in fact, finishing the top three in the country uh, uh, several times. So we knew what he had in place. And then you look at what Vic uh, did at uh, at um, Mississippi State, and he took the program those in the doldrums and played for the, for the Natty two years in a row. So those are the type of things that we're looking at. And, then, and Coach Burke had a really successful program at, uh, was at Illinois, went to Michigan, had a really successful program at Michigan, and then became, we were very fortunate to be our, our associate head coach. And last year, um, he took that run for the last 16 matches and won a national championship. So uh, it was it was only rightly that here in the spot. But coaching churches, you, I start with things. You have a wish list in my desk. I have a wish list of coaches for each sport. A coach you could probably get, and you never want to get to the old poop list. <laughs> so you always you, you shoot for that old, shoot, the old, old that that one that wish list. Let's see if we can get one of these two or three, and see which one we can get. And then you know you're always gonna have a coach you, that, that you can get. But that wish list is what you're really striving for because they fit what we just discussed. And if we can get one of those to come to the University of Texas, we're better off. Were those the same criteria, Chris, that you used as the athletic director at TCU? Well, I think things have changed because sometimes you look at it and say, uh, circumstances changes. Sometimes when I was at Rice, you can work really on an up and comer. Someone that you know you can get to come to Rice when you go to TCU. I think that those are the same parameters I started to involve around at TCU. And obviously, Texas is just a bigger stage. Um, and things have changed, too. You know, back in the day, you could come in and say, hey, um, I, I wouldn't say this. You, you can go in. The economics of television have really changed coaching searches because all of a sudden, when I was in the Mountain West at TCU, we had about a $3 million television budget. You go to the Big 12, you have a $40 million budget. So all of a sudden, you have a $37 million infusion of new money. So you can also attract different coaches or retain different coaches at places that normally a bigger school would be able to go in and say, hey, we're going to offer you more money. It's not the case anymore when there's a lot of uh, um, infusion of, of television dollars into the market that help generate great coaches across all of our sports. And you, you look at the University of Texas, we have two economic engines, if you will, men's, men's basketball and uh, football. But you have 18 sports accentuate the brand. And all those brand accentuators are unbelievable. And we want to compete and win national championships in every one of our sports. And that investment is phenomenal. And when, uh, when you look at, uh, you know, let's, uh, we got another question here asking about um, particular things that, uh, well, he says, can you talk about three coaches in particular today, the job they are doing, Mike White, Ryan Murphy, and Coach Flo. Um, it says, I personally love what 
each of them are doing. That's from Hit 'em Horns 18. Well, you bring up three great coaches. You look at uh, uh, Coach White. Uh, um, Connie did a wonderful job with our softball program for 20 years, and she's the founder and the architect. And you look at what we did early. Uh, she was phenomenal. We can't thank her enough. And when Connie came in and such, uh, put the keys on the desk, and she said, it's time. We were very fortunate to, to attract a coach uh, uh, in, in Coach White that wanted to come to the University of Texas and knew that at the University of Texas we're committed to winning championships in every one of our sports. And, uh, you know, in his first year, it took us to a super regional. And it's unfortunate this year was cut short because, gosh dang it, we were really poised to have an amazing run. And we were number one ranked team in the country, doing phenomenal things. And, and uh he has set uh, the program on uh, on pace to be really, really competitive on a national scale for years to come. Coach Murphy was an assistant coach on our men's team, won a national championship with Coach Fields, takes over our women's golf team, and arguably the, we're, we're the best one, two, three women's golf programs in the country the last four or five years, and he's done an amazing job recruiting, and he's done an amazing job within our team. He's phenomenal. And then you look at Coach Flo, uh, took over our track team, and uh, – both men's and women's were in the top five in the country, and I thought we had a chance uh, uh, to, to win a national championship this year. And the great thing about all those three teams is those seniors are coming back. We're going to be loaded both in all three of those teams next year, and we're going to be have a chance, have a chance to win a national championship in those three sports, and I'm excited about that. Now, what? Um, let's go to uh, this question about the the – Burnt orange color. So it says over the last 10 years, the Longhorn brand color, burnt orange, has shifted away from the long time burnt orange to a brighter orange. Is this going to be a continuing trend? That's from Hot Rod. Well, I appreciate that, Hot Rod. You know, I, I got that question when I first got here. And you look at the Alcalde magazine that they had a big old story about the burnt orange. One of the things I did when I got here is I actually took the burnt orange from the 69 team. We have a jersey and put it on our current jersey. They're almost identical. Very, very few. You can barely, if there's any changes, you can barely notice them on both jerseys. One thing that has changed is that there was a darker, almost a brown, if you will, on the, on the side of the helmet. And they took that to match the current jersey. One jersey that was really dark, and I see it, it was the... Um, Ricky Williams jersey with that the ter looked like a tearaway, and that particular jersey was actually more it had two different tones of color. He had a, one color up here was a little bit more burnt orange. This was a little darker when you when it sweated. It got uh, when you were I don't think sweat is the word, but when you were pers perspiring during a game, it actually turned darker. But the actual uniforms we've been going side by side to, to as a debate because I, I I said you know what. I'm getting called by a lot of people, and obviously Hot Rod here today is talking about that particular. So we went back to the genesis of Daryl Royal, 69, and says, let me see that jersey neck to neck. And you can see last year when we had our throwback jersey for to honor the 69 team, they were, they, the color was almost the same, but the logo changed. And I have one helmet up here, and let me grab one. Look at this. We got show and tell. This is the, this is the old logo, which is a little bit darker, if you will. But the jersey was the same color as what it is today. And then now you have, if you will, the logo that is more burnt orange that matches the jersey. So there lies a little bit of the inconsistency and in what what has taken place in terms of you can see the two. But the actual uniform is closer than you think. 
Okay. Okay. All right. So the bottom line to that question from Hot Rod is there won't be changes. It's it is it is what it is. Well, we're always going to try to tweak the changes. I, I'm a big fan of the throwback. As I look at everyone else trying to go to these uniform, different uniforms every single day and new colors and new schemes, we are the University of Texas. We have two colors, burnt orange and white. And, you know, when you think about it, when the sun is setting, that's the last two colors you see when you go to bed, and there's the first two colors you see when you rise. So God had it right. And our version is to perfect that, and uh, uh, we will. Um, but I like the idea of throwbacks did you learn that at uc santa barbara that that poetry you know it could be just sunday school wow. you know, sunday that's, school that's it church that's you, chip you may want to go see jesus a little bit on Sunday. <laughs> well speaking of tearaway jerseys since you mentioned tearaway jerseys can you believe earl campbell was allowed to wear tearaway jerseys isn't that like wearing wet kleenex with a number on it Oh, I got to tell you how excited I was. You know, he, he's still on staff, and I got to go to his house to meet him for the first time. And uh, I was like a little kid. I was sitting there going, hey, uh, hello, hello, Mr. Campbell. We sit down, and we just – he is so in tune with college football. It is amazing. He knew what every team around the country was doing. I mean, I, I, so I, I made a joke. He needs to be on the selection committee because the guy just flat out pays attention to everybody. But – He's still a horse. I mean, I look, took a look at him. I said, I couldn't imagine trying to tackle that big fella coming out of the backfield. That's why I was a track athlete. Hey, what was your high in high jump? Let me run something by you. I was a low jumper, okay? Oh. Low jumper. That pretended hey, scholarship, to though. They must have been desperate. Must be desperate times, buddy. The 80s were tough. All right, let me ask you this. Um, now we get into the, the hard-hitting stuff. This is from Back to the Top UT. Uh, they want to know what what does it take for a school like Texas to get back to a title contending, um, you know, consistently contending for the Big Twelve title in football. You know, and I and that's a that's a, not only a great question, it's a pertinent question at the University of Texas. And you look around at our history, right? And for a long time. Uh, We've had great successes, and our patient level hasn't been as, uh, has matched. If you look at uh, uh, when we had Daryl Royal, and then we actually went from there to Coach Akers. Uh, Coach Daryl Royal set the tone for us all. Fred, Coach Akers had some really good years. Didn't win the national championship, but he was winning at the big time. If you look at his, uh, if you look at his record, um, and then all of a sudden we had a lull where we looked at what would transpired. We brought Mac Brown, and Mac Brown had sixteen great years. Um, and then the last four or five years, six years, we've been very, um, I looked at it from afar. You know, when you look at what's transpiring from afar, we had uh, Mac Brown, Coach Brown's last two years, uh, uh, very tumultuous. Um, and then you, we, we had the Charlie years and we had Tom come in and, and Tom, it's not like he took over a program that was just an, an absolute equal footing. We've had a real tough time. And, you know, I always tell everyone the last five or six years, the University of Texas, whether it be the change, changing of conferences, changing of leadership, changing of presidents, changing of football coaches across the board in ADs. We've had, uh, was it uh, two presidents, three chancellors, three, three football coaches, three, four ADs, uh, two basketball coaches in the last five years. It's hard to build con uh, uh, consistency when you have that much uh, 
change. But I do believe we're heading in the right direction. And I'm not asking everybody to be patient, but if you look at the programs that have had sustained success, they weathered the hard times when they were really difficult and galvanized around movement. And I can go back and look at uh, uh, any, any, any coach that took over a program. They had those early years, and then, boom, they just took off. Well, and I, before I move away from uh, Swag Nasty's uh, question about throwback uniforms, Swag Nasty asked um, any update or streamlining of the football uniform in the future, any possibility of breaking out the throwbacks that the Horns wore uh, to kick off the 2005 and 2006 seasons. I think you'll always look at uh, uniforms that you can honor your great teams in the past. And that's one thing I looked at. As you look at uh, uh, the 69 team, you'll look at the 70 team, and you can do a throwback to You can look at that 05 team. Um, you can always look back at history and say, those are we should do is honor those type of, uh, of teams that were great, knowing that. Uh, and I also think that a permanent look honoring the past is always great, too, because you can go back to – I've seen the uniforms. Uh, um, one of the things someone says we shouldn't – you know, we didn't have Texas on the front. It used to just be the number. When you say Texas, everyone in the country can see that. And I understand that. They go, ah, oh, we don't need to do that. We should just go with burn orange and white and go back to what Coach Royal said. So anytime that you're having these discussions, Tom and I will sit down and say, what do you think? What do you think of that? You know, baseball had a completely different jersey for a long, long time. And then basketball had a different jersey. So I like the, I like the consistency of, of, of the name Texas on it. But we're always going to look to see what we can do to honor teams uh, uh, in our history. Uh, this question comes in um, from anonymous one two three four five six seven, and um, they say thank you so much for changing the game day atmosphere across the sports at Texas. One thing that uh, stands out, though, is the lack of a unified student section that encompasses all the students and the band together around one end zone. So as we get into the remodel of the south end of DKR, what ultimately is the plan for student seating in DKR when the renovation is done? Well, you can see what we did our, my first year here. We went to one continual student section all the way across. The atmosphere was phenomenal. We went from basically the 50-yard line all the way into the end zone, and it was, it was phenomenal. But through construction and progress, we had to move back to that old section. So as soon as that is all completely finished, we'll have that one continuous section again. That'll be phenomenal for our students. Well, they make the difference. Their energy and, uh, you know, the difference between how they entered into the stadium years ago was by seniority. And I understood that, but it creates for massive gaps. When you go to a general mission, first come, first serve, and you have one unified section, it is it is absolutely a bear when you come into that stadium and you hear that noise and that energy. And we're going to continue to do that. It's just this last, these next two, the last year and this year could be difficult because we're redoing the stadium. But when we're all done and ready to rock and roll in 21, it's going to be phenomenal. Uh, this comes in from Texas Horn, who wants to know what improvements uh, can folks expect in the stadium this year? Uh, obviously, there's been talk about the LED lights, the video board. What what are people going to notice that's new uh, in the football stadium? A lot of the stuff I'm going to push push forth to 21, especially when you thought of, thinking about what was going on with COVID and all the things I actually had planned for this year. I just pushed them back a little bit. We'll have the new board in this year, but uh, um, 
in light of what has happened around our country and the economics that we're facing, I just I wanted to put it push I put things that we were going to put in this uh, this year that you kind of just alluded to, and we'll do next year leading into uh, twenty one when, when we open up the south end zone. But the, the scoreboard will be new this year. Okay. What what uh, t- talking to Chris Del Conte? Obviously, appreciate him taking some time for us here at Horns twenty four seven. What do you think needs to happen for? football season to take place? Do we need a vaccine? Uh, what what should people be looking for as the precursor for good news? Well, I, I do believe we're going to have football in the fall, right? And you look at what we're doing right now. We're starting to open up our country and we got to be safe. We got we got to provide uh, uh, safe avenues for our fans to come in. I, I do know that uh, today is Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo to everybody. But we have basically four months before uh, our first football game. And, and there's a lot, a lot to uncover between now and then. Uh, and it, is it going to, you know, we're looking at a variety of plans that will have forth, come forth. And it, it could be a therapeutic, it could be a vaccine, it could also be social distancing. It also could be what we're doing today and how we're going about our daily lives. Now, I know our country is, is, is wants to get back to some semblance of normalcy. And we're going to go and we're, we're going to get there. And I know sport is a way for us to galvanize our country and how we galvanize our countries. We're going to do it in a safe manner in accordance to what Governor Abbott and our medical uh, professionals tell us. But I see light at the end of the tunnel. And you can see today they're talking about a vaccine that's already being developed. That they should have. They're talking about a therapeutic that's out there. But again, this changes day by day, minute by minute. And the good thing is that we have four months before our first game. I mean, do you wake up some days and say, how on earth is this happening? It's surreal. Never in our lifetime have we experienced anything like this. I mean, with all the advancements in medicine and biomedicine, here we are. And and how complicated has it made everyone's work there in the athletic department? Well, you know, what's interesting is, is sport. When you go back to what you know, and I knew when, when we had 9-11 and that happened and it took our country to its knees, buckled us. But we were we, we fought back like like true Americans. Um, but we galvanized around sport. I remember President Bush throwing out that first pitch, the celebrations we had at DKR and, and, and around the country. And it was celebrating what it means to be an American. This is completely different because now it's just taking everything away. And we, we, we went to isolation. Normally, when things happen, we want to be around each other. We want to celebrate. We want to hug. We want to mourn. We want to just be with each other. And this is such a surreal thing because we've all had this self-isolation, and we need to do that to dissipate the curve and put ourselves in a position to move forward. And sport has always been that galvanizing point. So it's such an interesting thing. I remember when we were in the Big 12, and all of a sudden you hear the NBA Big 12 basketball championships, and the NBA cancels the champ- their, their, their games. And I remember thinking to myself, we had a game going on, and we had to go down and on the court and tell Shock and the team to get off the court. We weren't going to play. And by Friday, the spring was canceled. And to look in the eyes of those student athletes, the spring sports specifically, golf, golf, rowing, swimming, swimming, our tennis teams, uh, um, track and field, softball, all those teams were in the top 10 in the country, and some in the number one, and some one, two, or three. And baseball was surging. And to tell those kids their opportunity, is not going to be there for them to look at our men's basketball team and have an opportunity to play at Texas tech and get into the NC2A tournament. Our women's but to tell those kids, their opportunities are not there. That was devastating. All right. Yes. And staff is now going, gosh, this is what has happened because we're such a regimented area in athletics. Everything is regimented. It's so structured. 
And uh, what I'm really proud of is the university too, in two weeks that we went to spring break right after that. And then President Fenvis extended spring break for another week. At the University of Texas, we believe what starts here changes the world. Bricks and mortar, bricks and mortar. When you come to the University of Texas and what you learn here will, will galvanize you for the rest of your life and you will change your economic paradigm and change the world. And that's what we espouse. We went to 50, 49,000 students were online that Monday. It was smooth. We had one Zoom bomb. It was smooth transition. I have a, a freshman daughter and it was just amazing to watch what was taking place. I, I, I applaud the institutional leadership for that. I mean, Tom Herman's big concerns were academic support. Um, how's that going? I mean, you got a university that typically never teaches classes online, but as you said, it was smooth. But now you've got students all over the place who are used to so much structure and meeting with tutors and being at meetings and everything's sort of laid out for them. Now they're off the grid. How are you finding academic support and just the whole online education business going? It was, it was, it was early, a little rough at, uh, at the beginning. But I tell you what's interesting, because the kids are so used to structure, they just follow suit. Here's your tutoring appointment. Here's your class. Here's what you're doing. They were really, they followed suit. And I, I'm very proud of our student athletes and our staff because they already had that structure in place and, and they just followed suit accordingly. But it took a little while to get used to that. First week was a little, a little, uh, a little uneasy. But from since then on, it's been smooth sailing. All right, let's uh, let's go to a question from Green eighty nine. Uh, would you support the resumption of football in a scenario where the Big Twelve and SEC were the only conferences ready in terms of having students back in school uh, with officials aligned? I, I think that what I what I support is all is the is everyone playing football in the fall. This is an opportunity, an education opportunity for young kids. I, I think that when you start regionalizing concepts, that doesn't. I, I think that there are five commissioners in the Power Five and the five in the Group of Five, and then FBS are all coalescing around starting at the same time. And we should we should embracing that hypothetical situations. I really don't pay attention too much because it's not what we no one's been discussing at all. Okay. What uh, what was Bob Bowlesby thinking comparing the greatest game day atmosphere in college football, in my mind, in sports, period, to a Petri dish? I mean, could he not find another example of, of uh, a, a situation where COVID-19 could be spread other than mentioning the Red River shootout, for crying out loud? I think it was a poignant question at the time. What about the state fair? What about having the game? And I think the issues are at that particular time. And I said, it's ever evolving. Someone asked, what's going to happen to that game? What's going to happen to the state fair? We have time on our hands. And it's just when the question was had a week ago, we, there's a lot of unknowns. And uh, he, he used the, the word Petri just, but that can be used for anything. It can be for a cold. It could be for the flu. It could be for uh, what you name it. And anytime you're around uh, uh, that uh, environment, uh, they, they say a plane is a Petri dish. You know, you, you know, it's, it's so I get the explanation he was using, but it was more just a, as a discussion. Are we ready for that? And that we got to be prepared for whatever it's going to be and how we're going to go about it. And that's the way I took the conversation. OK. All right. Uh, you know, that one that one sort of got me. Um, well, this comes in from. Uh, Mac, who's on the uh, 
who's watching us on YouTube. Will there be any athletic sports at UT without spectators? You know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, let me think this. So you got to be prepared for every situation, right? I believe we're going to have fans in the stands. I believe we're going to have spectators. I think we're going to have uh, a, a full-blown season. You prepare for that, and you're optimistic about that. But then you also have you got to prepare for everything that you say on your radio show, Chip, or you guys talk about in your blogs. We'll come out and tease scenarios. I'm fully preparing for a, uh, uh, a uniform as we know it fall. But you also have different scenarios you got to play for. So, so any 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 anything that you can throw out there, we're going to work on and tease out. But it's too too early to tell. I I, I firmly believe that we'll be uh, ready to roll. But it'd be uh, disingenuous if I didn't tell you that we're having constant thoughts about what ifs. And you always got to play a what if. What if this happened? What if this happened? In coaching searches, you do the same thing. If you think you're going to get this person, what if this happened? Where do you go? So it's constantly uh, uh, doing that with our team. Um, this comes in from not whole, not, a not, not whole. Um, are there plans in the works to get rid of the bubble practice facility as soon as possible? It is an eyesore when driving through Austin. We know you can get this done. From well, not whole. Isn't wasn't that, that bubble, the first one in the state knows the best thing ever. It was like, Oh my God, they got a bubble. It's the best. <laughs> Greatest thing ever. Now it's an eyesore. It's just funny how the lens changes. But I think first and foremost, we got we got to finish all of our facilities. We got to finish the south end zone. We got to finish the basketball arena, the practice facility. We got softball going up right now. Baseball is almost complete. We got the swimming pool that'll be done in a month. We have track and field and soccer. Once all these projects are are completed, we do, we know we got to address uh, uh, the, the 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 bubble and how we want to uh, proceed with that. But uh, in due time, that will be taken care of. Okay. This uh, this comes in from Jordan ninety one. Shaka Smart currently has a ninety and seventy eight career record at Texas. His introductory press conference had him mentioning championships. Texas has won none. He has missed the NCAA tournament twice in five years. That has only happened twice in the previous twenty nine years. Why should we pay to come see bad basketball from a coach who has shown no obvious discipline and structure in his program? Again, I, I mean, I, I understand the question. You got to look at his totality. No one wants to ever look at that, right? His first year went to the tournament. We lost all those kids. The next year we, we had, I mean, I would I, when I remember I was at TCU and someone said, oh, boy, that kid's a first-round draft pick. I Obviously, I'm not an eye for talent because I didn't see the kid from St. Stephen's who went to Brooklyn uh, was going to be a first-round draft pick at that particular time. Next year, we had uh, uh, Mobamba, then Andrew gets sick, and no one wants to hear all those things, and we start to move forward. A lot of things that have happened that you can point your finger at and go, hmm, um, one way or the other, and, and, I, and, I, and I understand that. Um, our expectations are what they are. Uh, we, we expect to compete for championships. We understand that, again, Coach Barnes did an awesome job for us. At some point in time, uh, we looked and said, okay, Coach Barnes, we're going to make a different change and come in a new direction. Um, every one of those decisions have a different effect as you move forward. Um, but I do expect our men's basketball team to perform at the level of our expectations. And so does he and so do the players. But every year I, 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 got, a, I got a tweet from a, a, mo, a note from Andrew yesterday. He says, can I ever get a year? Can I ever just finish one of my years? And I felt that was such an interesting thing from a guy that year when we had Mo Obama and we started off and all of a sudden he 
he got to play Duke and we're on a roll. And then he had leukemia and what happened to him. And then we missed Mo Bamba, that, that latter part of that season. And the next year, um, every year, we've just never had a full complimentary. This year, we're going through and we lose four or five starters and we're all on the injury list. And we bring in the, the Rat Pack crew off the bench and they just went on an absolute run the last four or five games. I mean, so I, it is just, it's not easy to put it put it into uh, uh, one nice little bucket that everyone would like. But I understand the expectation, Jordan, and I'm asking you to to be patient. Um, I'm asking to understand our expectations. Don't waver from them. Yeah, I mean, it's a veteran team next next season. Oh, veteran guards and Greg Brown, the third, who has signed. Uh, three coming in. This team is going to be exciting to watch. And plus, you got, I, I was telling Shaka, you got two fives. Go like Nolan Richardson. Everyone gets five minutes and just come in and just wreck havoc. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a coach, so it'd be like a disaster. But you know, <laughs> so I've never called the play. I don't. I don't go tell Shaka or Coach Herm or anyone else what to call. They're the pros at it. But I, I like teasing them because you know that I thought that last five or four or five games that Shaka did with a with the team that he had it was on the injured list, and he just said, "Let's go see what we can do." And the kids really responded. It was fun to watch. Yeah, they went on the road to OU and and Tech and won. Um, all right, this comes in from N.T. Badger. With Kevin Durant being a fan of KD-branded Texas basketball uniforms, any word if this is in the works to happen, uh, a KD-branded basketball uniform? If so, when would you anticipate that happening? That is not necessary. What our, our relationship with Nike and KD is not for uniforms. That's what everyone thinks it's going to be on the uniform. It's not. It's shoes, it's warm-ups, it's sweats. It's the gear, but it's not on uniforms. And that, and his brand is not is not on the uniform. It's on everywhere else. And that's per Nike. Uh, and we've asked the question, but that's just not where, where, where we're at with our with that particular contract. All right. That's good to know. That's good to know. All right. This question comes from those watching on YouTube. Um, how is the new basketball arena coming along and that that was an unprecedented uh situation getting a third party to build uh the basketball arena i mean you're you're going through all kinds of challenges here at the university of texas well we put up the camera for you guys to go so get on the website and you can see the camera live camera every day it it, uh, it doesn't do it itself as justice yet but it looks like a, a meteor just flew out of the sky and blasted right into that site it's about a 60-foot hole. It is phenomenal. The one thing I would say about COVID that has only been great is we've had no work stoppage in terms of loading dirt because of the traffic. So we had 300 semis being loaded every single day and just going in a circle all day long taking dirt out. And it's been phenomenal. We were really worried about how we we're going to do that with all the traffic, normal Austin traffic and student body traffic. But uh, the one thing that's the only pleasant thing about this is that 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 we've able to just uh, uh, ex uh, accelerate uh, the construction on that project. So there is a camera looking in. You can see that it is it is fantastic. All right, and um, when you look at the uh, the one time transfer rule that is coming up, what May twentieth? Is that when the full uh, Division One or FBS is going to vote on this? Um, there's some talk that maybe it should be tabled. For a year, do you really want to have one-time transfers happening um, right now during the pandemic? What 
what uh, what are you hearing in terms of the one-time transfer rule? Well, I understand the concepts, but I think it's going to be tabled to our legislative session. You remember, we make up the NC2A. Uh, we make the rules. They, they, uh, we, we enforce the rules. We vote on the rules. It's, it's the membership. It's like the House and the Congress. So we, we, we vote on the rules. We write them up. We talk about them. So I, I, I think the concept will be kicked. Uh, we'll, we'll be vetted out, and then we'll vote on it in the legislation. Uh, my, belief, my understanding is we'll vote on it in the, in the uh, January legislation season. Okay. Um, so that – I'm sorry. That would happen a year from now? Yeah, I believe it's January. Okay. Um, all right. So our next question will come from the fans watching on YouTube and Facebook. This uh, this comes in. It says, um, uh, if football practices do not resume until the – until um, well, can the football schedule be transferred to the spring – or even a split schedule between the fall and next spring, if necessary. That's from Max Schnell. I think everything is hypothetical. Right now, we're planning on a fall schedule. I think the NFL is planning on a fall schedule. And uh, we, uh, we're anticipating a fall schedule. I think any other scenario that is being thrown out there, you'll continue to tease those scenarios. But uh, that's, that's about it. Okay, so the uh, image and likeness. Uh, name, image, and likeness has has come up, and of course, in the Ed O'Bannon trial, the original judge in that case ruled that schools needed to provide student athletes, all student athletes, with a stipend that most uh, figured would be around five thousand dollars per student athlete. Now we're headed towards a situation where student athletes are kind of independent contractors trying to, you know find ways to earn money off their their name image and likeness which which one is better i mean obviously it's more expense to the school to pay the stipend but it's also more easy to manage what what's your what's your sense of of how this name image and likeness is is going to play out uh, it's early i think the devil is in the detail I, and i'll say back when i was a student athlete and it, and it was up until this time you would, when you signed your letter of intent, it said your name and image and likeness can be used by the institution to promote your sport. And then for the four years that you were in school, they would do that. It was really to be on the poster and the schedule card. We're going to talk about the 80s. And you wanted that poster and that schedule card to have your name on it. And you would be very few would get that. And you would go down and say, hey, guess what, mom, I'm on the schedule card. I understood that. When we went to the video game component, Video games came out, and we licensed the name, image, and likeness to the NC2A for a video game. And everyone was super excited if you were on the basketball team or the football team to have that name, image, and likeness. But it was for the four years that you were in school. What happened was they continued that relationship after you were in school, and Ed O'Bannon was, wait a minute. That's, that's my number. That looks like me. This is me playing. I'm lefty. I should have my name, image, and likeness for that. And I understood the argument, and I do, right? And uh, you look at it today and where we're going, I've had num numerous discussions with our student athletes. Now think about this, where I look at it, and I'm a little bit torn between two. Three of our kids got drafted on our football team. 25 graduated, right? So there's a very few percentage to get to come to school that have a chance to fulfill their dream of the NFL. But we have so many to come to school to fulfill the dream of playing at the University of Texas at DKR and then take that educational investment that we invest in them and go change the world through education. 
And what's being lost here is the value of an education. What's being lost is the value of graduating from the University of Texas in this idea that a very small percentage could have monetized their name, image, and likeness. So I understand the arrangement. Now, the difference is, is, is back in the day, we didn't have this, right? This phone, we have, I have a track athlete here that has 150,000 followers. She has, so you start to look at how she's going to monetize her particular name, image, and likeness. No affiliation with the University of Texas, just her name, image, and likeness. And I get that. I get the conversation. What I what I always try to put in my mind is um, where I grew up and how I grew up and what sport did for me in terms of the opportunity to get an education. That's all been lost in this entire rhetoric. We have over a trillion dollars, excuse me, over a billion dollars in student debt. People that graduate from college that have massive student loans to, that they took out. Most athletes are, are, are leaving with a complete education paid for or, or have maybe paid for, they paid for partial themselves. They're of huge value. When I graduated University of College, I was married to Sally May. She's the loan lady. $58,000 I was married to her. It took me 18 years to pay it off at four twenty-two a month. When I was making $18,000 a year, that just killed me. But I paid it off because it gave me that opportunity. I took no umbrage with that. So I understand both sides of the argument, and I see where we're going. And I applaud those very few that may or may not be able to make that. But it's going to be the devil's going to be in the detail, and you're true. And I had a long conversation with Katie. And Katie and I were talking about this. And he go, I go, what do you think about names like Kevin Durant? Yes, sir. He goes, you know, I love it. But you shouldn't get it until after your freshman year because it's not about recruiting. You're going to, you, you, when you think about recruiting, you're going to pump up someone's false name, image, and likeness. It's really about what you earned at Texas and what you earned it yourself. Coming from arguably the very best basketball player to come out of high school at that time, they, they put in the rule he couldn't go pro, came to the University of Texas. And we had this great discussion, I think, and I, I was just so impressed by how in tune he was with the argument and how in tune he was with the conversation. And, uh, it was great. And he goes, you know, your name image like is actually what you earn at the University of Texas. And you and we got to be prepared for be careful about what happens on the recruiting trail. And that's going to be the uh, the devil in detail how this irons out. But I understand both arguments and, uh, and we'll get it right. Well, and the biggest argument is football. It's I mean, college football is the farm system for the NFL. And that's that's just a fact. But let me let me. And the students, right as of right now, would not be allowed to mention Texas or be in their uniform or any licensed trademarks associated with their schools. Is that right? Well, you know, you're going to have to figure out. You're going to have to have um, some type of uh, uh, an antitrust exemption or some type of, uh, of uh, interference from Congress because every state has a different bill. Florida has something different than California. California has something different than New Jersey. New Jersey has something different than South Dakota something different than Washington. We're going to have to figure out how you level this off and, and knowing that uh, when you go to Congress, they're going to put an or a different ornament on that tree. But as we know it now, it's your individual name, image, and likeness. So when they say Chip Brown, it's Chip Brown. It's not 24-7 Chip Brown. It's Chip Brown by yourself. Because if you added 24-7, now you're adding value to you. What is that value to you and your name, image, and likeness? And then is it really Chip Brown or is it 24-7? So the way it's currently written right now, it's Chip Brown by yourself. 
And this phone changes a lot. You're going to see a lot of people have our, our influencers. A lot of people have that I never thought of. I mean, when I was at TCU, we had an a, a incoming freshman that was on our cheer, on our cheer squad. She had over 600,000 followers. She had her room decked out by Bed Bath & Beyond. She had all kinds of free stuff. She would just tweet this and that, and it was nuts. I never, I could never understand that I have two teenage daughters. They go, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about. It's right here. Well, that's name, image, and likeness. It was her own following. And she was able, she was able to monetize that. And I remember telling our cheerleading coach, we got to put her on the team. <laughs> she can be our own one-man band, brand. <laughs> Well, she can bring in Bed Bath and Beyond as a sponsor for out and cars and food and all that. And all she would do is retweet out. Go hang out here. Boom. Boom. All right. This comes in from Horny Bob. He says, uh, will the NCAA decision to allow student athletes to earn money from their image and likeness keep more basketball players in school instead of being one and dones? I, I you know, I I don't know if if, if you look at what the, where the G League is going right, right now. And I, and I tell you, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the educational model. I am. And I, and I look at personally for me. There's some kids that say, you know what? It's like high school baseball. A high school baseball player wants to go pro baseball or he comes to college. He comes to college for three years. And he has that choice, right? He has that choice. I think having a kid to come out of high school and says, I want to go pro or I want to go to college, it's a choice that young kids needs to make. And, I, and, we, and in baseball, in the minor league system has been that way forever. We've never talked about the system as, as being broke. We've actually, it works because a kid comes out and says, I'm going to go. In college, um, the whole 80s, there's very few that ever went pro. Michael Jordan came out as a junior. Think about that, as a junior, right? So now kids are coming out so much earlier. Then they said, you know what? You need to go to college for one. I, I prefer that the kids that come to college, come to college, you look at teams that are older, a Villanova or, or, or Virginia that win a national championship, they're older teams. Uh, and if the kids have a chance to go pro out of high school, then go pro. Yeah. It, it'd be nice if you could get the baseball model in for basketball, but you don't see that happening anytime soon. Uh, I, I am not Especially a czar. Now. I am not a czar. I'm just at the University of Texas. But I think that I can see it coming down the path where if a, if a kid decides to go to the G League and, and I'm like, gosh, dang it. That's just circumventing what we're all about. But at the end of the day, that kid's saying, no, school really wasn't for me. I just want to play basketball. Well, there's something sacred about an education. There's something sacred about walking the hollow grounds of the University of Texas and the 40 acres that we should cherish and embrace. And if that young man does not want to be here and wants to go pro, then so be it. Um, okay, this comes in and it uh, references your, your 40 acres insider email, which is, which is great. Um, this is from Grok 0608 and, uh, they're asking, uh, in your insider email, you said, rest assured, should the season get the football season get canceled or significantly altered, we'll make an exception to our standard, no refund policy. Um, and so the question is, what is your definition of significantly altered and, uh, if an older season ticket holder decides not to take the risk and and does re request a refund, how would this affect their seats for the following season? Well, um, yeah, I get I get the question. I, I think right now we're eighty we're over eighty percent of our season tickets renewed. It's phenomenal. 
the nation was is, is responding because they know we're going to have football. So, and one of the things I looked at is you're investing in us. We, we, we run an enterprise based on your investment in our athletic program. And that should never, ever, ever lose sight of that. I do not. Uh, and that's why I answer every, every email. I call everybody. Uh, I try to be active on social media and I provide an insider to just constantly communicate. Uh, and the one thing that you can, you know, is that once a brand has been broken and my personal brand has been broken, I can never gain that trust back. And when I tell everybody, if the season is altered, meaning we don't have a football season in the fall, if it's if it's completely they stop, change, you name an altered season, your investment will be returned to you. Or you can convert it to a 100% tax-deductible gift. But I firmly believe we're going to have football in the fall. I firmly believe we're going to have a season in the fall. And, and uh, we will see how that plays out. But, but that is the issue. But right now, with 80% of the people renewed, and we're having a fall. If you choose not to renew, you will not have your season, the same season the following year. Does that make sense? So we're going to do right now, everyone that's in the 80% so far, we know that I firmly believe by the next two weeks, we will be at 90% renewals. I do. Just the, the way they're going. I mean, it's hard for me to get, I'm the only one in my office today. So the mail is not open, but when we, we constantly open the mail, we'll see, we'll be at 90%. We're going to have a fall. If you chose not to renew this year, those seats will not be available for you next year because it's not fair to the 90% that, that, that renewed. However, we put a payment plan all the way in to make sure that we help everyone during this tough time. This, uh, this comes in and says, if you're a high risk um, season ticket holder and you want it, um, you know, meaning if they were, you know, out there and, um, uh, they're asking, would they be able to transfer seats to a younger, lower risk demographic um, who will keep up contributions, et cetera, as well as attend uh, games in person? I haven't really looked at a, at a transfer, if you will. But if someone said, you know what, I can't do it right now. I pay, but I'm going to have my, my kid use them for a year. That's between family members, right? And, and they retain in your account. I mean, I think that if if I was a high risk and said, you know, I love my seats. They've been with me forever. I just don't want to chance it right now, but I'm going to give them to my son or daughter. That's between family members to use those tickets. And you'll get them back the following year if you're, if you're going to come to the games. I firmly believe that you'll be sitting in the stands this year right there cheering on your Longhorns. But uh, as far as the transfer, we're going to try to keep everything that we have in place moving forward, but make decisions that are going to be in you once you start making individual decisions it's almost impossible to get to get to get it right moving forward so if someone wants to transfer their tickets to their child for that one year to use that's fine they're in your account but obviously our transfer policy will not change uh, this comes in from cat horn uh, i was looking forward to attending the 20 nca outdoor track and field championships in austin this june any chance things will get pushed back a year and we will host the 21 championships you know we've we 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 petitioned the nc2a to make sure that we're back in the rotation of of hosting a national championship uh, the the uh, 19 season here at the university of texas was phenomenal the, the records that were broke were incredible and we have one of the finest track stadiums in the world to host a track meet, and we can't wait for it to come back here. I would say 21 in my mind would be a little doubtful in that that's obviously going to be the new year for the Olympics. Um, you would think that uh, Eugene, uh, uh, with with hosting the Olympic trials and that new stadium going on, that they're probably going to get it for 21. 
but we're hoping for a 22-23 uh, return to Austin. All right, this, uh, this question comes from the folks streaming us on Facebook and YouTube. Um, if you could alter the current college football playoff setup, what changes would you make? Would you be interested in expanding away from the current four-team playoff structure? You know, what's interesting to me is forever we were, we were, we were uh, all about the bowls. And we have these great traditions of, of the Cotton Bowl or the great traditions of the Sugar Bowl or the Rose Bowl, right? And all these. And then it became an ambiguous way to name a national championship. And we came into the playoff. And now we firmly have a, a true national champion uh, that's crowned at the end of the year. And, and the issue is, are, is the four teams make it. Should we expand the playoffs? I am very much in favor of expanding the playoff. Is it a number of, is it six, eight, 12? It all depends on, on how, we, how we go about it. But we have time. Obviously, the next iteration of, of the playoff um, committee will come up, I want to say, in 25. But we went from 100 years of bowl games to a short time of having a playoff. Uh, and, and you got to remember that we were this moving a battle, uh, a tanker ooh, takes forever. You know, it takes nine times to tell everyone to turn it left, turn left. And it goes all the way down. They go back up. What'd you say? We had 150 years of bowl games. And, and then we've just started the playoff. And I do believe that we should expand the playoffs and, and to the number uh, will be determined in the next couple of years. But I've seen uh, I've seen models from six to eight to twelve. Uh, the one double A used to be eight and sixteen. Now it's twenty four. Um, you have all kinds of things that, that you have to look. And then we also want to preserve the historical bowl games. I think a lot of people understand want to preserve it. I think the idea of having a rotation of where we where we play our semifinal games has been great. Um, and preserving the idea that you preserve the history of the bowls is something that is worth is worth looking into and making sure that it happens because it's part of the fabric of college athletics and part of the fabric of college football. Well, you're, you're, you're talking to your peers all the time. Uh, you support an expansion of the college football playoff. How quickly do you think it will happen? It all depends. I mean, obviously we have a contract at 25. So, so you, you know, it, it's, I, I you believe think it happened it was, before uh, that. Well, you know what? I think anything pre-COVID was was it was on the table. I think now post-COVID or, or in the middle of it, it's just too it's, it's too too early to have the conversation. You're talking really four years away. Because that leads us to this question from Golden Boy: When the Big Twelve media rights come up for renewal in twenty-five, would Texas consider going independent, or leaving the Big Twelve, or possibly adding more teams to the ten-team Big Twelve? I think that what we have to focus on, and I tell everyone this is. The Big 12, you play everyone one time. And I'm and, and to our brethren to the north, it's an easy path to get to the CFP. We just got to be the very best Texas we can be. Our goal is to be in the CFP. Oklahoma's played on three in the last four games. We need to take care of ourselves. And we take care of ourselves and we get right. We're right in this. Arguably, across the board in the Big 12, we are number one or two in every single sport we sponsor. Men's basketball, women's basketball, tennis, golf, all across the board. We're the top one or two in the country in the last five or six years. In football, we just have to take care of our business. If we do what we're supposed to do, we have a chance to be in the CFP every year, and that's the goal. As far as what happens down the road, I don't think an independent schedule, if you will, works in the way we are at today. Um, and, I, and I believe that the 
Big 12 and how it's currently set up with the round robin has benefited all of our athletic programs. And if Texas does what we're supposed to and take care of ourselves, it is the right avenue for us to play uh, uh, to go into the national championship conversation in any sport that we participate in. Do you, do you think that um, Tom Herman's talked about getting the conference scheduling evened out among the power five right now y'all are playing nine conference games the sec is playing eight how do you get that leveled off especially in a, a 14 team league well you look at the the big 12 the pac 12 and the pac 10 all play nine games conference games plus a championship uh the acc and the sec played eight conference games and they have four non-conference uh, uh, opponents. So when you look at uh, how they go about their scheduling, I think Coach Herman brings up a good point that we should all play nine conference games. Some are saying, you know what, we, we play two power fives. We're actually playing 10. At the University of Texas, uh, you know, we play 10 power five uh, uh, teams, and then we play two, a group of five. Um, I believe in my history, in our history, uh, if I'm not mistaken, We've only played a one double A team one time. I think it was a snafu playing Sam Houston a couple a, a few years back when we lost someone. If I'm not, is that true, uh, Chip? I so I want to say it's us and USC that have never played a one double A. And I think we did one time. Sam Houston was always told, and it was because someone dropped us late that we needed to pick someone up. So, um, the more we can start to even that out, the better off we'll be for everybody. But there's three out of the four that are currently playing, and in during that scenario, Oklahoma's still made it three out of four times. We have to do what we need to do to make sure that we are in that conversation. This question comes in from Horn Rush and asks, will Chris Plotsky leave her duties at the University of Texas uh, when her contract expires in August? I, I don't, I don't uh, understand the, um, the angst there. When I, when I got here at the University of Texas, I start off when I get here, everyone has a, a clean slate with me and uh, she's been a tremendous uh, uh, partner. You look at the three coaches that we have hired since I've been here, four coaches across the board. She's our chief of staff. We brought in Sean Eichorsch that was the AD at Nebraska and we brought in uh, Drew Martin from TCU and we've merged our programs and the success that we're having as merging our program has been great. So I, um, I, I don't uh, pay attention to anything that transpired before I arrived because I'd be that it'd be unfair for me to ever judge someone without ever knowing them. I make no disparaging comment about any person at all. And if I know them, I may say, you know what, I just don't agree with them. But if I don't know them, I don't believe that I should ever do that. I was not taught to do that. And uh, so my decisions are made on what we do to, together today. And we're going to be a united Texas. And I always say united Texas is a reckoning. One athletic program, one vision, one heartbeat, we can do great things together. And that's what I told them when I got here. And if we, and I have two simple rules. Don't lie to me and don't cheat. And if we can do those two things, we, we, we're going to do great things together. All right. This next question comes from the uh, fans who are uh, streaming us on Facebook and YouTube. Um, let's see. Where is that highlighted question okay there it is um any updates on potential future matchups with texas a&m 
or possibly extending the rivalry against LSU and or Arkansas. That's from 23 Studios. Um, you know, I, I think I had the conversation a year ago, two years ago, when you had an opening, and I asked, um, hey, we have an opening in 22, 23, and uh, I reached out and asked if they'd be interested in, in, in doing that rivalry game at the time. Um, and A&M had said, hey, we, we have no, we, we're booked right now. And I went, okay. And I looked at where we were, and I, and I promptly looked at why we have to create great games at home and add incredible value to our season ticket package. And we promptly went out and scheduled Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan. Uh, and we have one more that, that we'll be announcing shortly on the back end of this contract. But we're going to always play an incredible uh, team that's won a – and my goal is to play anyone that's won a national championship in the modern era as part of our non-conference schedule. We have LSU that won a national championship in the modern era. You go down Alabama, you go down Georgia, Florida, Michigan, Ohio State – University of Texas. These are the brands that we should be playing uh, uh, home and away, and we're going to do that. And that was my scheduling philosophy as far as playing A&M. And I will tell you this. I, I was not here, and I don't have the history and the angst of what transpired, but those type of games that make you visceral hate each other are what makes college football great. Great. And I, and I, and it's not, and I, and I do believe the game should be played. I really do not because of of history, but I know Alabama didn't play Auburn for 40 years. Can you imagine not playing the Iron Bowl? It makes no sense, but it is what it is, right? And, and you have politics involved. You have hurt feelings. You have all kinds of things. But just for the state of Texas or for college football, I, I cannot believe that OU doesn't play Nebraska. I grew up on that game. I grew up on that game. I could not imagine USC not playing UCLA. I could not imagine the backyard brawl, Pittsburgh and West Virginia, for those fan bases, right? Clemson and South Carolina figured it out. Florida and Florida State have figured it out. And, and I get it. But these games, when, you just, when you're just bubbling over with crazy emotion, that's what makes college great. And why? Because college athletics and football specifically is a college game. Founded on college's campus. And what it's about, it's about our culture, our history, our traditions. And what we stand for against you and your culture and your history and your traditions. We settle on the playing field. And then we come back and we own you on the water cooler for the next full year. And we do it over again. And that's what makes the pop and circumstance about college awesome. And, you know, for right now, I take solace. We won the last game we played. And we can sit back every night and put your head on the pillow and say, yep, we won that game. We know we did. And when we're ready, we'll participate again. Um, let me ask you this. This comes in from UT Haas. How would you describe your relationship with Greg Fenvis? And um, uh, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment with Greg Fenvis? Uh, any memory that you share in particular with him? And are you involved in helping to select his successor? UT well Haas. I'll, I'll say this. I had a great relationship with Co uh, President Fembus. He was great to me. He hired me. I think my greatest moment is how he hired me and that story about how, how it transpired. It just always, it's an odd, when you're looking at coaching searches today, we got to put all these committees together and what we go do to find a person. When I was, when I was looking for a softball coach or a base, uh, a softball coach or a track coach or a tennis coach or a women's basketball coach, I leaned back to what he did. He goes, go get who you want. Go get who you want. Go get the person you want and just zero in and do it. And I thought that's the way he did my search. 
he, he did all his research before I got there. He met me in New York City, thought we were having a conversation about uh, uh, television and what we were doing within that current television negotiation. And I sat down with him, didn't know him from Adam. He's on his way to the 21 Club with the rest of the Longhorns. And he hands me over a piece of paper and said, I'd like for you to become the next athletic at the University of Texas. And, you know, I had turned down two previous opportunities previously to that. And I sat there and I was overwhelmed with not only how he went about it, his sincerity and what he wanted for the University of Texas, but the opportunity to come to the University of Texas, you just can't pass up. I mean, if you aspire for greatness, you've got to ride Bevo once. You know what I mean? you got to see if you can hang on for eight seconds. That's my goal, right? Uh, DeLoss had 33 years of that. We've had two ADs in between DeLoss and I that were here uh, for shorter stints. And I'm hoping that uh, I do the nation proud by serving them the right way and that they, they allow me to serve them as long as they, they choose. So I'm excited about that opportunity. But that that moment in time has really galvanized with me and how I go about searches because it's go get who you want. You're going to get all the credit or all the blame anyway for their success, right? And too much credit is given for a coach's success and way too much blame is given for their failures. So if you know that, go get who you're going to get, do what you need to do and target. And uh, that was great. As far as the next president, Jay Harsel's the man. He's an incredible incredible human being. He's a longhorn. What he did with our business school is second to none. I'm on, I'm, and uh, I'm hoping that during this interim time with him being a, a finance and an economic background with what we're going through, the regents and the chancellor picked an absolute winner. And, and I say that because I flew around with him all over the state last year as a dean and athletic director. And we would have these unbelievable conversations and we're flying to Midland one day and I go, what do you want to do in life? Because I'd like to be a president someday. I said, that's awesome. And then he gets this job and I call him up. Hey, hey El Presidente. Hello. He goes, I wasn't expecting it this soon, my man. <laughs> but it's awesome. What? Uh, I mean, not bad for a kid from Taos, New Mexico, right? Oh, blows my mind. I mean, every day. And your your parents, I just I don't want you to spend all day on this. I know you don't have all day. But, um, you know, how how did growing up in a, you know, with two missionary parents who basically <laughs> brought in kids, um, you know, to, a to, I don't, I don't want to, do we call it an orphanage? What do we call it? Um, the, the compound that they had there in Taos where you're being raised with dozens of other kids. Uh, you know, it is unique. I mean, my parents I, I are literally, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm literally and figuratively a product product of the sixties. Right. Um, I, my parents started out in Catholic seminary and, and missionary in Mexico uh, they were working for a Catholic orphanage, which is about, and they had about three or 4,000 kids that were in this massive compound. And my father, um, that was his calling. And he goes, let's do this in the United States. And he came to the United States and started a children's home. Um, and I, you know, and then you have a children's home and you had 85 kids. I was born into it. Uh, we had th three houses of 25 each and in a residential uh, center for uh, mentally challenged. And um, you had zero to six in one household, six to 13, 13 to 18. And I got a chance to uh, live with them the entire time, move from age group to age group. And just um, for me, it was what I knew um, and uh, what an idyllic time. College athletics was nowhere near where um, I thought I was going to be at that particular time. I was just trying to be popular. I was trying to get a date in school. We lived 30 miles out of town. We were called the ranch kids. I knew who my parents were 
we all did, but we were all in one group together. I think my father earned $24,000 a year. Um, he was truly a servant of God and um, humanity. And when, when I got when, when one guy got a scholar, got a high school, made the football team and got a call from town, we all joined sport to become socially acceptable. And that's where I joined sport was to become acceptable um, by people in town that, that you could be the smartest person. But when you're a young kid, you get teased, you get made fun of your confidence is struggling. You're trying to figure out who you are. Sport is the ultimate equalizer. Whether you're rich, poor, green, white, yellow, it doesn't make a difference. In athletics, if you can play, you can play. And I got that opportunity to, uh, to participate, got a scholarship. And when I was uh, 22 years old, I was, it was trying to figure out what I was going to do in life. I told my father, I'd like to give myself back to sport. It's the ultimate opportunity. I had to write a paper to him about how you can change life through athletics. And um, once uh, once he read the paper and allowed me to do this, my career was uh, off and running. Well, it uh, it's an amazing story. And uh, you must have an amazing family and great parents. Um, this comes in from Chris Bennett. Better beard, yours or Craig Way's? I haven't seen Craig Way in a long time, but this thing is god awful. I had told our student <laughs> athletes that I would not shave till our next competition. I actually thought it'd be like in a month. When I we're gonna just take a break, we'll be back, thinking we'll be back for the spring, you know, somehow. So I, I, I vowed that we would not shave until our next athletic competition. And every day, my wife is like, "Are you practicing social distancing on purpose? Because this thing is a mess. It's like the biggest Brillo pad you've ever seen." I finally went down last night and bought beard oil, which I never knew there was to try to soften this thing up because I can't sleep, but I am not going to shave it. A promise is a promise. I will not shave till our next competition. So I could be looking like duck dynasty come the fall. That is, that is impressive. And <laughs> I mean, sometimes you, you make a, a, a statement and you just have no idea what the outcome is going to be on that. Well, is that you go to regret it. You know, I had shoulder surgery the other day, uh, you know, in December and Shaka sent out this idea of doing 100 burpees. So I go, challenge accepted. And I went down to three burpees and damn near popped my shoulder out. So I called them back up last night and said, no burpees for me, my friend. I'll do push-ups or sit-ups, I mean. All right. This question comes in from fans watching on uh, on Facebook. Jeffrey says, how does the new phased guidelines impact bringing back the athletes on campus for the fall? Seems like it will take six weeks to get through the phased ramp-up. Well, you know what? We, we I've organized three committees within our four committees within our athletic program, and they're going to have our working groups. So I have plans for us on April 18th. One of them is for staff. Mm-hmm. I call them get back to the 40 acres. You know, the get back guy on the sidelines, get back, get back. You know, everyone sees them on TV. I got get back to the 40 acres. So we have one committee solely working with all medical service people as well involved for staff, one for student athletes, one for fans and donors, and then two game management, how we're going to facilitate all of this. And they're populated with about 10, 15 people from our entire department, each one, along with medical staff on each one of those committees. And the idea is no bad idea is a good idea. No good idea is a bad idea. Throw them against the wall and let's see what we can come up with and coalesce constantly with with, with medical service people involved. So we'll see. So we know that uh, by the 18th, we'll know exactly what our plan is in place to bring back staff, bring back student athletes, uh, how we're gonna, how we're gonna uh, uh, entertain our fans, donors come this fall. 
in all of our venues and then game management, how we're going to operate all that. So uh, there'll be phased in guidelines that we're working with and our medical service people uh, from Dell Medical have been phenomenal. And that's who we're working with. How how has giving been in this pandemic? I mean, it's it's obvious you got hundreds of millions of dollars in facility upgrades happening and you're you're an amazing fundraiser. Uh, we know that, uh, but how has it been in light of the pandemic? You know what? It's been amazing to me. And I mean this, when you're at 80% of your ticket renewals and your priority seating, it tells you that um, that the nation, that they know that they're an integral part of our family. We can't do it without the nation, without question. Without them, we don't have an athletic program. And I thank them. I mean, I do from the bottom of my heart. We're saying, you know what? This is my discretionary income and my passion is the institution. And we'll continue to um, to support you. But we know that uh, at the same time, times are tough and we've had to put in uh, a payment schedules for people. We're going to constantly work with people. But on the bigger projects, people uh, have said, hey, we, we're in. You can count on us and we'll be there for you. And that's all you can do. And knowing that the economy is the stock market is leveled off and oil prices went from here. And now they're starting to build back up. We're going to get a base and we're going to open back our country slowly but surely and safely, um, I, I think that uh, the family has been great and the nation has responded in an unbelievable fashion. What, uh, what's your relationship like with McConaughey, the Minister of Culture? <laughs> Phenomenal. I love me the MOC. He's, he's the best. You know what, you, what I love about him is just straight passion. He loves the University of Texas. He loves it with all his being. And I can think in my mind, there's a guy that came to school. He was a delt, going to class, screwballing around. He reads a, a, a reading for, hey, there's an actor for a part in Dazed and Confused. He goes down there and reads for Wooderson, and it changes his life. And now he is teaching classes and giving back to the University of Texas. I just love the whole thing. I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Yeah, he's everywhere. Oh, he's everywhere. You're doing oh. something right. Um, all right. All uh, right. This comes in from my my boss, the Godfather, Bobby Burton. Uh, what was the single biggest change for you from your previous stops? You, uh, uh, you know what's interesting about the question is um, when I was the I, I believe I'm the only athletic director in the history uh, of the st in, in the state of Texas to work at three different institutions within the state: Rice, TCU, and Texas. And in my mind. I go back to the movie Hoosiers and Hickory and that little small town at, at Hickory, that was basically rice. And you had that team, that small team in that small town, and they all loved that, that, that team and that school, right? So you have 3,000 students, 30,000 living alumni. That's Hickory. You go to sectionals, and now all of a sudden you're at 7,000 students and 50,000 living alumni. That's TCU. Then you go to state and the, the size of that gymnasium, and he goes, Holly, get up on his shoulders and measure it. It's still a 10-foot rim. It's a 15-foot free throw and a 94-foot court. It's just bigger. It's still the same dimensions. It's just bigger. The passion, whether it be small at Rice to TCU to Texas at 52,000 students, 450,000 living alumni, 29 million people in the state of Texas, and you know the eyes are upon you at all times. It's still the same dimensions. It's just bigger. And that's the biggest difference. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll wrap things up here. But uh, what this comes in from UT Haas. What do you want 
your legacy at Texas to be? What's your mission statement? I don't have a mission statement. I, what I really want to have is that hopefully the nation said I was honest, right? I did, I did my best to serve the nation. I was humble in doing it. And, and at the end of the day, when you, when you can, are, are you honest? Are you humble? Are you trustworthy? And did you serve them right? And those are three things my father always say. Sir, you know, you don't have, when you lead, serve, serve, servant leadership. Do things for others that you wouldn't do for yourself, right? Never lie, be honest in everything you do, right? And, and are the people going to be truthful in what you do and how you do it? That's all you can do. All right. And who would play you in the movie? Who would play me in the movie? Ricky Barron's. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is, of course, an Olympian, Olympic swimmer, total stud in the pool. His body walking around, I wouldn't even wear clothes all day long, just a bathing suit. Say, hello, oh, yeah. how are you? Oh, yeah. All right, looks like we got one more here um, from Adam. Uh, CDC, how do you feel about the current direction of Texas football? Is Texas currently ahead of schedule or behind after three straight bowl wins? Is Tom Herman on the hot seat? Yeah, I, I, I never understood that question. You got to look back when anytime you take over a program or you start to serve a program where we've been. When was the last time Texas won a bowl game before Coach Herman? It was like 12. Okay. Yeah, think, think through that. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 7, 16, right? 17, five years. The tr it was. It's not like he had uh, – uh, when, when Lincoln took over Oklahoma, they had already went to the CFP the year before. The team was loaded. Team was stacked. Great coach. Don't get me wrong. This is nothing disparaging about Lincoln. Great coach. Took over a team that was a well-oiled machine, right? Very, very few times do you have that type of opportunity to do that. And Tom came in with a program that – uh, the day Charlie was hired, people were, were, were did not like to hire. It was horrible to follow Mac. How Mac left the University of Texas and what happened during that time was very tumultuous. Um, you know, you lost. the loss for 33 years, Mac, Augie, and Rick Barnes. Those four people were the heart and soul of our athletic program. When I went to our head coach's first time retreat, we do a retreat every summer. Coach uh, Eddie goes, Eddie, Eddie goes, you know, we lost our heart and soul. We never thought possible they would not be here. We were on uneasy ground. The nation was absolutely livid when Kirk Herbstreit calls Texas a cesspool at that time. We were inundated with such negative energy, and it hurt recruiting. I will tell you, when I was at TCU, you would just show recruits, this is what's going on down there, Longhorn Nation, this is what they're saying, right? And this is when I say United Texas is a reckoning. We have to not have two separate athletic programs, one. We have to galvanize around each other and realize that whatever we say is gonna be used against us all over the place. And my job is to make sure that we keep our family business, our family business. We're not gonna always agree to everything, but we're gonna respect the burn orange. We're gonna respect the tower. We're gonna to respect this great institution. And we're gonna respect the 40 acres. And that's the most important thing that I try to do every day is bring a positive attitude. So Tom Herman, I think is in great place. The first year we went, we beat Missouri. Second year, we got we got a little ahead of schedule, right? But we went to Sugar Bowl. And this past year, I looked and said, okay, this will be a pretty interesting year. We lost nine defensive starters. Let's not forget that, nine. We lost 
our, our go-to guy and our wide receiver and a little Jordan we didn't think was going to leave. And Duvernay came in. And you know what? We went eight games. When we, we, we went out and played a phenomenal game against Utah. I know where our expectations are, and we got to love those. But you got to see the building blocks being put in place. Last time we had an offensive lineman drafted was when? 08 before Connor Williams. 08. TCU has 10 in the NFL right now. 10. Starting in the NFL. So think through the big fellas up front. Tom and, and Herb Hanna recruiting big dudes up front. Our defensive line is changing. You can see the the part the the the, the pieces are there. He has a great plan, and I'm excited for the future. It's going to be awesome. All right, and finally, what is the game that you uh, are unbeatable at at home? You know, during this pandemic, or what what game do you play the most? Well, let me help you out. My wife's a mathematician professor at Rice, so I can't beat her in any game whatsoever. No mental game, not a shot. Except high jump. My two kids have never gotten lower than an A minus, so I can't beat them in anything. So the reality is I am just draining the, 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 the gene pool at the Del Carne household when it comes to anything to do with mental games. However, anything physically, I own them right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Hey, Chris Del Conte. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Uh, everyone watching, please subscribe to the 24-7 Sports channel because, uh, you know, we get great uh, guests on here like Chris Del Conte. Chris, really appreciate it. Know you're going 100 miles an hour. Thanks for making time for us today. Uh, you know, be safe and keep the faith, man. Appreciate you more than you know. Thank you, guys. And the nation, I thank you for your support. It doesn't go unnoticed. I appreciate you. Hook them. All right, there he is, Chris Del Conte. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Awesome stuff there between Chip Brown and Crystal Conte delivering the goods on both Texas athletics and college athletics. We have to give a special thanks to Del Conte for sitting down with us and also a special thanks to you, our listeners, for listening to this week's episode of the Flagship Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the Flagship Podcast on iTunes. And if you're feeling pretty generous, feel free to give us a five-star rating and review while you're over there. For Chip Brown, I'm Taylor Estes. We'll talk to you next week. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official 
Social Challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.